I'm Jonas Enzel. I'm Daniel Mullins. And I'm Jim Stormdancer, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Jonah, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, I'm Jonah. I do music and sound design, and also different types of kind of new media interactive stuff. I guess I'm going to plug my website again, which is works.rip, W-O-R-K-S dot R-I-P. Still a great domain name. I was surprised it costs like $12 a year. I think what they're going for there is that like, oh, this is going to be used for like people's tombstones. It'll be like a tombstone (laughs) website. And those people, they stay dead forever. So we'll be getting $12 a year from them forever. I think it was when like wedding websites were becoming big. They were like, oh, we'll make funeral websites a thing too. But then a friend (laughs) of mine just used it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And I think also it sort of works in the tech way of like it sounds like it's like rip as in like a media rip or a file rip or something yeah yeah and daniel would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug yeah sure so i'm daniel i am an indie game developer i work with jonah and um the creator of pony island hex and inscription recently in the show guide you say that a lot of people plug just like food or like restaurants (laughs) yeah and um Inscription has gotten enough plugs, so I'll plug um, hummus, the food. Oh, hummus, <laughs> like is, hummus is so good, <laughs> especially the kind with like pine nuts on it. That means that yeah. ipso facto, you think that Inscription is bigger than hummus. This is, is this like a Beatles <laughs> Jesus uh, situation? Oh, shit. Hummus needs your <laughs> My help. My ego has been revealed. <laughs> no, Inscription will, I'll never make anything bigger than hummus, but I still would like to <laughs> strive toward that. <laughs> It's a it's a noble goal to to oust yeah. hummus and make everybody hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I used to like hummus until I played Inscription. Now I hate hummus. <laughs> I can't even eat it. It's so boring now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's my plug. Are we ready to start on our start on? Okay, I, I, this is, happens every show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just talk too fast. Is the problem? Get excited about the topic. You should just have it. a gym soundboard that says, "Are we ready I need to, to start get our first to the topics?" Yeah, I could. <laughs> I could easily, I could record myself at like one quarter speed and then speed it up so that I sound, I just sound like I'm talking super fast. Well, no, what you need, we were talking before about Discord bots. What you need is like a gym bot that does the announcement and like content aware and can do all of the boilerplate parts. Yeah. So I type, I type slash start on topics and it plays that audio file of me saying it perfectly once. (laughs) No one will ever know. Unless they do like a bite comparison of the audio for episode, <laughs> yeah, or episode. listen to it more than twice, and <laughs> be like, right, oh, right. that's the same recording." I have an anecdote to start this first topic with. But this is unorthodox, but I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say the the topic is about chopsaki, which we had some contention. I would like to read the the topic as Jim apparently thought it was being said, uh, because <laughs> I find that very funny, which is. Chopsaki. When are we going to get that energy back into the world media producing <laughs> environment? So I guess in that reading, Chopsaki would be an exclamation that the sentence is starting out with. But I meant literally Chopsaki as in Kung Fu movies of a specific era, I guess. I don't know about the exact details of what counts as Chopsaki and not. Yeah, I thought that this was like maybe a Gen Zism that you were borrowing. No. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, I have been doing a lot of stuff. A lot of 
like projects and things about walking and different like exercises of walking but like weird ones and like exploring cities and stuff and a friend of mine wrote this book called uh activating cities that's really interesting and one of the exercises in that book is is walking around with a rip an audio rip of a movie where you just listen to the audio from a movie rather than watching it and you like walk around while doing it which is a pretty interesting exercise so i i went out to try it i mean it's also it can be like doesn't have to be super like serious and like super like it's an art exercise but i went to grab something quick off of archive.org because you can directly download mp3s from video files because they have all those like formats available and the like first movie i saw was i think it's called like enter the kung fu dragon or something <laughs> but i i was like oh whatever like i'll just get whatever it was some kung fu movie from the 70s which i i <laughs> didn't realize is just hilarious like american dubbing about this like japanese um, fortress and this like girl who's when she was an infant you know she was blessed with some magical thing that's also occurred but then probably 50% of the movie is just punching sounds that I can't see <laughs> so like anytime there's a fight there's just like three full minutes of punching sounds anyway so I, I just had never been exposed to kung fu movies of that sort and I had a great time with the whole just like absorbing the vibe of that and I felt as though, I don't know, we could use some more of this sort of ridiculous whimsy in, in the current day. Yeah, I'd love to see more ridiculous whimsy. Do you guys know Chopstalky? Is that a thing that people are familiar with? I, I had never, never heard that before. Yeah, no, I, I, knew, I know the phrase. Heard of the whole era and stuff. I knew the phrase, but I didn't associate it with like the 90s cheesy dubs, like uh, hard boiled or, or what have you. I just associated it with kung fu movies in general which like as far as i can tell are still going strong like i would even count the new matrix movie in that category oh well that's a bit broad i think that's fair that's a fair assessment of that um <laughs> if you're really into like the energy of like cheesy dubs like anime dubs i feel like the new cowboy bebop series sounds exactly like that I know, yeah, I know also Squid Game has a notoriously awful dub, which I mm -hmm. haven't, I watched, <clears throat> I watched it subbed because I'm cool, uh, and I didn't <laughs> even realize there was a dub version in the settings. Because the thing about the, the Kung Fu movies also that was so funny to me is the way that they make everything, they're like really trying hard for it to be as Japanese as possible. But it's like yeah. also super American. Like the accent is like almost overly American or like British sometimes. It's like this slightly British thing. And it's <laughs> like, that's how you know he's Japanese. He's talking in this weird accent. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, I had made a an audio cassette of The Terminator because I was <laughs> obsessed with that movie. And I didn't have like, like I made it for my dad's laser disc. I didn't have the Laserdisc, but I had this audio cassette and I could listen to that whenever I wanted. You get a lot of different information uh, when you're when you're listening to audio of, of a visual medium because there's a scene where like Sarah Connor sees a, a news story about other people with her name being murdered and how this is, seems to be a series like a like a pattern now. And there's just this slow push in on her like face processing this information. 
And that's what you're focusing on if you're watching the movie. But if you're listening to the audio, all you hear is the news broadcast continuing to talk about other irrelevant shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's really funny. Yeah, that, which is very funny to me. Just like random stuff. I, yeah, I think the idea of stripping visual medium of its visuals is really interesting. And actually, you maybe you guys have come across, this is like a sort of not so uncommon idea for like a crazy game, like experimental game is like, oh, like there's no visuals. It's just audio. I'd like heard about that as as yeah. like a crazy design concept, but I've then, seen a couple of those. I think. Yeah, I didn't. There's a whole thing of for like blind gamers. There's like a whole yeah. world of just audio games, which seems incredible. Like it'd be like a zombie game, and it's yeah. an FPS, but it's all audio. Based. I feel like I'm trying to remember if I hallucinated this, but I think someone ported Doom to <laughs> to like a <laughs> two ears, <laughs> and it wasn't Doom RL the doom roguelike it was another like audio only port of the similar similar idea a very strange thing that i feel like now that now i should have paid attention to it because i would have something interesting to say instead of just blah so this exists yeah i was just fascinated by the fact that there's a whole community of people that it's like that's just how they play games and yeah like it's not just I, I like I said I had heard of it as like some thing that was like a weird design trend or whatever. I don't know. That's just super cool. Like one of those weird accessibility things that's incredibly interesting. Yeah. Do they have their own Steam? <laughs> that's an interesting question. But I guess they probably but like it's probably just like using screen readers and stuff on normal everything, right? But then how do you find games that like? There's probably forums for games that are good to play or like conversion yeah, mods yeah. or something. Also, yeah, this is kind of an um, underdeveloped topic. I apologize on that, but it's not a problem. Don't worry, my all of my topics are underdeveloped. <laughs> this is how this show goes. It's fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, great. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Yes, I'm ready. Chop sake. I'm ready. <laughs> chop chop sake, <laughs> Daniel. Your topic is the Resident Evil series. Yeah. So the theme of all my topics is things that I don't actually know that much about, but I just came to mind shit the resident evil series i was just interested in it because i had never played them and then last year i played seven and eight and i loved them mm -hmm. of course i was aware of them the long history and there was these ones like five and six and seven that i i had never been aware of and if you watch the trailers they're so different than the early ones and the reinvention of yeah seven, yeah yeah the series has gone through a number of just it's yeah. an entirely new thing now while still being about shooting zombies. Yeah, probably the reason why I put this as a topic is I was playing that Resident Evil 2 remake and enjoying that quite a bit. And I was just enjoying finding the few similarities there were between that remake and the 7 and 8 kind of reinvention. And I don't know, I thought people would have, if, if anyone's actually been playing them the whole time, what they think. <laughs> if only. Jonah, <laughs> save us. Well... <laughs> I would love to tell you that I've ever played a Resident Evil game in my life. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> okay, we can I talk haven't. about the trailers, I guess. Uh, uh, well, I have the, I, the the one the only thing I know about Resident Evil Eight is that people on the internet are like obsessed with that really tall. Oh yeah, old yeah, the, woman. Not old. Is, is she that, that's is rude. she taller or is she just like a woman scaled she, up? She's, like they, she's very well. She's, she's just big. Yeah, she's like just a larger version of a person. It's I guess two X on every axis. You wouldn't think it, but that was the scariest part of Resident Evil 8. You'd have these parts where you walk through a door, 
and it's just time to like right as you open the door she's coming through the other way at you and she has to like crouch down to like even squeeze through the door and it gets you every time that was the biggest fear factor that, for that, that does sound pretty good that does sound yeah sounds that sounds like a game I'm, I'd, be, I'd be too scared to play yeah <laughs> i'm trying to google and find there, there's a there's an interesting thing about i think it's resident evil 4 being ported to this really weird console but i uh just typed in resident it's oculus that's a weird port <laughs> oh it's on oculus no the, uh, the one i'm thinking of is um is something else but that's interesting too okay but i just yeah i spelled console c-o-n-s-u-l which is the roman <laughs> governor <laughs> resident yeah, yeah. evil console port uh, anyway, sorry, that's just, that's where my brain is at right now. But, so you said that's on Oculus as well? Uh, yeah, there's a Resident Evil 4 port for the Oculus Quest, and I kind of am interested to see what that's like. Okay, here's what I was looking for, is the Zebo edition. So, like, this is Zeebo. some weird console, kind of like, do you guys remember Ouya and, like, the horrible yep. decline of Ouya? There's a great video by Crobat <laughs> on the decline of Ouya. God, uh, we're getting down a rabbit hole, but... Zebo is, I think, <laughs> something kind of like that. It's like a weird proprietary games console. I think maybe it was only available in some weird, like in a specific region. And there's a notoriously horrendous port of Resident Evil 4 for, like, they, they were like, we're going to get the killer app. Like, we're going to get Resident Evil 4 on this weird console. And it's just kind of like an insanely janky version of it that's just made for this one weird looking wavy box brazil <laughs> it's brazil's first game console huh. Huh. Uh, they they decided to move on from the from the mega drive <laughs> oh man they should have just ported resident evil 4 to the mega drive that would have saved so much time and energy on everybody's part uh, they probably could like i feel like the thing is to just throw at the developers like yeah can you just do this and then it's just like they it's like there's some way to do it it's like everything's on a sprite sheet and it's 2d but it renders in 3D, even though we have uh, like four <laughs> kilobytes of memory. Like, I bet you Vizebo is like the equivalent of a low grade Android phone with a large plastic shell to make it look right. like an Xbox. <laughs> I'm guessing that's what it is. Yeah. Right. They just have to put that in the Mega Drive cartridge, <laughs> and then that outputs the f directly to the, the Mega Drive's frame, frame buffer. Oh, man. Here's my experience total history with the Resident Evil series. I played the Resident Evil 1 re remake on the GameCube until I found out that you need to get typewriter ribbons to save. And then I was just like, this is too stressful. I can't do this. So I stopped. <laughs> and then I played 4 and I finished the first level and I was like, well, I, now I have almost no resources. And then there's another level with more zombies in it and I'm just going to die. So I gave up. And then I played 5 and I think I stopped playing 5. Because I only played it because I wanted to play it co-op, but the girl I was dating, we stopped dating, and then after that, I didn't want. To, there was no one to play it co-op with. <laughs> A classic situation. <laughs> I don't remember why I stopped playing seven. It seemed pretty cool though. But the the classic thing is like I I I talk a uh, a good game about how like horror movies don't scare me and that's actually true like I just don't ever get scared by horror movies but horror video games like I don't know if they scare me but I don't want to play them they're just too stressful they're like <laughs> I I will be like I bet some stressful shit's gonna happen behind that door and then I just turn the game off that, that sounds like yeah. there's a <laughs> opportunity there for a new genre which is like 
stress video games. It's not like it's not horror. It's like a business or something, and it's just insane. <laughs> like it's very stressful, but it, like that's horrible in its own way. I don't know. That's a workshop, <laughs> but it sounds like a thing. I I think there's definitely a good uh, melding of the the business simulator and the horror genre to that could happen. Yeah, that needs to happen. And probably the person to do it is going to be on the, is on this show right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us tell us about your experiences with Resident Evil Seven and Eight. I want to know. It was a kind of game experience that I mean, it's not like a, a surprise that it exists, but I just thought it was this nice melding of like kind of resource management, like you're saying, where where you have to. It's a bit of a puzzle how you're gonna have enough bullets to deal with the zombies at hand. Then it's this mix of like these ornate puzzles that are very enjoyable to solve, but not necessarily hard. And I really, I just get a kick out of that. I, I really like um, the Room series and they're they're really not very hard puzzles. They're not like The Witness where they'll expand your brain, but because the pieces are so intricate and they slot together with like amazing animation and sound, it's just kind of like a, a meditative jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, they're just, they're just there for pacing. Yeah, yeah. And so the Resident Evil 7 and 8 has all these really enjoyable kind of like simple puzzles mixed with the management and the like parts with some action and then some very like video gamey bosses, which I find just kind of a funny addition where it's like, it really seems like it's almost like a Legend of Zelda boss, but it's in this horror game for some reason. And then with 7 and 8, they're actually pretty scary. And I do like to be scared. Uh, I I was finding the Resident Evil 2 remake really wasn't doing that. And maybe it's the third person perspective or the, the, how the zombies are always just slow walking zombies instead of the, the seven and eight, they have these, this like lurching movement where they'll kind of stand there, but then they'll lurch forward really quickly and it's really intimidating and throws you off. But yeah, anyway, that's, that's my experience. Um, and like I said, I didn't play the earlier ones or the, the middling five and six ones that were not regarded that well. Right, right. Yeah, this looks really cool. I was impressed by Seven. I thought it was a really interesting re-envisioning of the whole idea. I thought it had a lot of really neat ideas in it. Like you would find these VHS tapes and watch them. And then like you would, the tape you were watching would be interactive. Like it would be like a playing a flashback effectively. Yeah, yeah. This is a really neat trick. Played one boss fight where you're in a garage and eventually the, oh, the yeah. boss gets in the one. car and starts trying to run you over in the garage. Yeah. Like and yeah. By, by garage, I mean like a two car garage, not like a parking garage. Yeah. And that boss fight goes on for like 10 minutes. Yeah. That somehow was, was... manages this car is like ripping around donuts in a garage for 10 minutes. <laughs> right. And they made that into a boss battle. It was a little <laughs> much, but um, that's the Resident Evil ethos is it's a little much. Yeah, th- there's a certain charm in that, yeah. which I enjoy. But I mean, I, I don't have much more to say. I'm I'm intrigued by the room now that you said that, but I also don't believe you that the puzzles will be easy because I'm probably the world's worst puzzle yeah. person. Oh, the puzzles in the room aren't aren't what he was talking. He was talking about the puzzles in well, Resident Evil. I kind of was talking about the room too. It's I'd have to think about it how it's different than the witness. Where when you're playing as an example, the witness. You have to make these like lateral thinking. You have to have an epiphany about it and then you can solve it. But the room, it's more just like you have to click around and explore every option. It's like 
kind of like looking at every nook and cranny and you'll eventually find the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it feels different. And I feel like it's, it's, I wouldn't call it hard because of that. It's just a matter of time until you solve. Those. Interesting. Much more like a traditional adventure game. Yeah. Like you're just, yeah. the, the puzzles don't tend to be like, they're not like Baba is you kind of mind expanding puzzles. Exactly. They're just, yeah. They're just, you, you found the secret compartment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm still at the stage where I'm realizing I'm so bad, can't solve things that aren't even puzzles. Like, I'm playing Deathloop right now, and it's like... <laughs> like daily life. <laughs> that as well, uh, for sure. Can't figure out how to use the can opener. <laughs> yeah. How to get up, you know, from the bed in the morning. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, no, been there. That, that one's fine. I, I'm fine with the with those, with big life puzzles. It's more the, like following a linear track in a very straightforward video game but i can't figure out which direction to go i remember i I used to like get Mm. lost in bioshock a lot and and like it's not it's just like i know it's my fault bioshock isn't a linear track bioshock is a a big maze and so is well i haven't played death loop but i did not get the impression that game was linear at all uh yeah i should clarify but I i get lost in terms of like you're in a room a small, okay. like you're in like a, a room and it's like, okay, now that you've killed the boss, go pick up the paper with the code on it. And I'm like, where's the paper with the code? And it's like not supposed to be a puzzle or anything. And I like look at all these IGN walkthroughs and then I realize it's just like <laughs> yeah. on the desk in this place that I thought I checked, but I, I went past or something. And I just yeah. spend like 20 minutes every time I love I going to, to a walkthrough and then they just say like proceed and as if like that's enough. <laughs> information yeah yeah it can be the game's fault a lot of the time if it's if it's supposed to be like a signposted thing that you're just supposed to get and move on yeah in bioshock they most most of those objectives were like they use this glowing gold shader to to mark them so if they forgot to make the that piece of paper glowing gold that's on them i've completely come to terms that it's 100 percent my fault because it happens so much to me. And then usually, like, once I find the solution, it'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, they were doing the, this X, Y, and Z, and it'll just be random. I feel as though it's, it's my weird brain. That's fair. Resident Evil. The room puzzles. Are we ready for another topic? Yes. I'm ready. My topic is Flettner Airplanes. The Flettner Airplane was invented, but as far as I can tell, not actually built. But the, the principle was... Discussed by Anton Flettner, who uh, was an aviation engineer. But the principle uh, of the Flettner airplane is that instead of wings, it just has spinning cylinders. And the spinning cylinders provide the lift via the Magnus effect, which I'm not sure what that is. But it kind of makes sense that spinning would make would provide lift to me. That's intuitive. And they're kind of cool. They, they don't look like ordinary planes at all. They don't – they like – the, the the lack of wings is very a distinctive look. I'm looking at I I think a simulation of one. Here's one made out of KFC buckets. <laughs> that you know how you're saying the spinning cool. would give it lift and that was intuitive to you. I don't get that at all. That doesn't see how that makes any sense. Of course, I'm not a physicist. Well, imagine what the spinning would do to the air around it. I just linked the one that I'm looking at. Maybe it's the same one that you were talking about. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Click on that one first, and then the one I linked. I'll put both in the show notes. The, the one you linked to is actually informative. 
and not made out of KFC buckets, but the KFC buckets one sounds really interesting. <laughs> I kind of want to hang out with the person who made the KFC buckets one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not so much the other. If nothing else, you might get some fried chicken out of it. <laughs> the big downside of the Flettner airplane is that if the cylinders stop spinning... It just drops. It just drops. Like, there's no gliding like a regular yeah. winged aircraft. Yeah, this is cool. I, I can't ever... I can't say that I ever looked at an airplane and was like how could we do that differently yeah if it was <laughs> if there were less glidy air resistant parts but i'm picturing like maybe i should do a visual description here this being a audio media quickly it's like okay it's like a plane in the middle with two rollers one at the front maybe we already said that one in the front one in the back i am picturing a version of this which is like the world's first portable steamroller or something and it like comes down <laughs> onto a track and like flattens out the runway as it lands yeah i don't think that would fly but i'm imagining it in my brain <laughs> yeah it would need to be it would need to be incredibly heavy it could be like the first airplane that's entirely made out of the substance they make the black box out of oh yeah a classic quandary it would be heavy enough to create its own runway it is its own runway, maybe. That is an advantage. This is much lighter than I'm imagining it also. I'm realizing that these rollers are made out of, like, paper or something. Yeah. Are there slots in it? Are there, like, little slots? That that would make more sense to me. I don't think so. I mean, obviously, it's true that it works, but the, I don't get that intuition how, like you were saying, uh, uh, if you rotate a cylinder, I wouldn't imagine that if i put my hands near it i would feel like air like emanating away from the cylinder unless it had like divots in it or something like if it because these cylinders are smooth it might be important that the cylinder is also moving forward mm. but i think it's the same principle as like uh when you put spin on a ball mm, okay yeah yeah well that's neat i'm watching the kfc one yeah i'm watching that too it's a very 2022 uh, medium which is listening to somebody watching something <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa i'll just i'll just say whoa oh cool oh okay i understand now anyway okay well we can move on <laughs> yeah 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 I'll, I'll i'll uh i'll put a link to the video in the show notes so listeners can also separately go have their own uh epiphany um i can yeah. confirm that the kfc plane building guys seem a lot cooler to hang out with uh, yeah, it's the 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 yeah. KFC plane seems to be failing a bit more, but they yeah. they seem a lot more fun. And they put a little dog in the YouTube thumbnail. <laughs> the little things that count. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. It really works. Actually, at like ten minutes in, it works surprisingly well. Yeah, they they got it working. They got it working, and they also got some. I don't know if they have like drone shots oh. of it, but like they have. Shots of the KFC plane flying from the perspective of another thing flying next to it. Also, this is Peter Streeple, who's a like engineering YouTuber who's very good and does a lot oh, okay. of cool videos. I don't know why it took... I, I had to scroll down to realize that. He does not need my promotion at all. He has 2 million subscribers. Uh, are you ready for another topic? Uh, yes. Oh, my go ahead. Uh, for this topic, we have, we have a poem double feature. We're going to be reading The Eel by Ogden Nash and The Llama by Ogden, Ogden Nash. Uh, Jonah, would you like to take these? These were uh, your suggestions. Yes. I'm going to say, interestingly, these are both three-line... Well, no, one one is a three-line poem, one's more, which is a spoiler, but the version that Jim has linked is missing one of the three lines. Really? I thought yes. it was even more <laughs> of a joke than it was. <laughs> yeah, 
which is kind of funny. It's it's in this particular poem. It's kind of inf- important to have all the lines. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and and send me a link to the the right one if you find find it somewhere. The eel. I don't mind eels except as meals and the way they feel. That's <laughs> <Okay>. the eel. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the I had read this. I had looked it up. The version I read was just the first two lines, which is a complete thought. Yeah. It's, it's like a, ri- a rhyming couplet, <laughs> yeah. but it definitely is, it, it's, it is improved by that third line. <laughs> yeah. I'm going le- to link a site that has a bunch of Ogden Nash poems, including the one I listed. Uh, and then the other one is the llama, which actually I know by memory because I used it to cheese a poetry memorization assignment in the second grade. The one El Lama, he's a priest. The two El Lama, he's a beast. And I will bet a silk pajama there isn't any three El Lama. It's pretty good. Did they want you to like memorize Invictus or something? Like I don't know, but I remember my dad is is a writer and I was like, we had this book of Ogden Nash. I was like, can I just do this? And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> That's a great poem. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. I think maybe he saw the annoyance in memorization. And then there was a PTA meeting about, like, you gave your son permission. To- <laughs> <laughs> that that would be a very school thing to do. Like, how dare you memorize something that's fun? <laughs> it's not a comp- totally serious. And whimsical. There's a minimum syllable count allowed. <laughs> God. That's definitely a real thing somewhere. I like poetry, and I was thinking of different things in the one and a half minutes before the show started, and then I remembered about Ogden Nash. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good ones on this on this link. I really like the the energy they bring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also the web design. I bet it looks different on a phone, but on a web browser on my computer, there's poems that are like left aligned left justified and then poems that are right justified and there's a huge blank space in the <laughs> middle of the page yep and a very small font yeah i've seen that too yeah and it, it it also has a very specific vibe to it yeah can we at what point can we start talking about like nostalgic web design nostalgic css you want, do you need my permission because oh, wow, like really 80s css <laughs> Or actually, does 80s CSS exist? When did CSS start? CSS was, like, as far as I know, was invented in the late 90s. Oh, damn. Yeah, well, actually, I, I was going to say I thought it was like, but you are so much more of an authority on when CSS was invented. Yeah, 1996. <laughs> okay, mid-90s. Okay, good to know. Yeah, if you want to think about, like, 80s, even, even the World Wide Web, I don't think, was invented in the 80s. Uh, but but you could probably find uh, gopher sites do you remember Gopher? Was that a thing? Do I remember or, Gopher? Or rather, was that still a thing when you uh, when you were coming up? Me? I am not aware of, aware of that. Either of you, I guess, is what oh, I'm this asking. This is the early 2010s saw renewed interest in native Gopher clients. I don't know what this is. Uh, it's a it's a hypertext protocol that predated HTML, HTTP. They're what they're like competing hypertext protocols. Yeah, That's... yeah. Back before HTTP ate everybody's lunch, as far as I know, the trick that they pulled to 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 become the most ubiquitous uh, hypertext protocol was just by being the absolute simplest way to do it, because like the other ones all had this like elaborate like error handling 
for like if a page goes missing, you can get it cached on the, the network and other places or whatever. HTTP was just like, yeah, just, just 404 it. It's just fuck <laughs> it. That page doesn't exist anymore. Things like that. But yeah, Gopher. I remember um, in the very early days of of my internet access, I remember looking up song lyrics on Gopher in like 1991 in school. And that was uh, that was a special time. Yeah, I wish I could say I was around to see it. Yeah, I I really yearn for like yeah command line internet era. I mean, I guess that's post command line internet era. No, 1991. There might be, be a command line Gopher client, but Gopher was like text mode GUI. So like it was it laid things out on the screen, all text, all monospaced font. Although I don't think that was necessity. That was just how it was for me. And then you would navigate to the links by using the arrow keys it reminds me of the uh i'm looking at it now the introduction page for this command line called fish shell it says this thing about color monitors where is it or like it's like web-based configuration for those yeah for those lucky few with a graphical computer you can set your colors and view functions <laughs> lucky few yeah that, right. that's what it makes me think of like this era where it's like whoa like there's like multiple colors on the monitor and like I have like I can set everything and graphical experiences. Probably more than one color. It's like imagine having three colors. Whoa. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Black, white, and then you could pick the last one. Wow. <laughs> but the crazy thing is that like for that like world, all the standards are still like this thing that was invented in the seventies, you know? Or the eight yeah. like bash or whatever okay we're getting into truly nerd stuff all like the the mouse invented in the 70s video conferencing invented in the 70s <laughs> the touch screen 70s discord also invented in the 70s yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just having a really <laughs> big comeback yeah yeah do you think there's a better option than the mouse or is it tried and true i haven't found anything better i don't know a professor of mine once said that he was told that the mouse is for hippies and slackers and that that can be true. What does he use? as as compared to what? Uh, you know, like a Back like home? a real person using a, a purely text based interface. Oh, sure, using for all using, your oh, computer just not keyboard using shortcuts. It, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you just don't use visual software. Like you're just your whole life right. is on the command line. I do know people. Like I had another professor who was like he had a mouse, but he like would be on the keyboard probably 80% of the time the mouse for was like things that necessitated having it like a, an interface like a web browser or something if he needed to like do something for administration but you can get a crazy amount of stuff done just in the command line especially if you're like a programmer yeah I don't know you can do a lot with just text interfaces and it's pretty that's cool. true yeah but I'm a mouse user <laughs> uh, there are there are definitely a lot of applications where a mouse is a better form of input than the just a keyboard like paint programs yeah yeah like audio editing first person shooters yeah anything where you need precision right like the audio editing you're dragging around clips and very finely deciding the length of them where it cuts yeah and you can you could totally do that with a keyboard and do you ever play or or watch somebody play tetris the grandmaster uh no that game gets fast enough that the the auto repeat, like if you hold the joystick to the right or whatever, the speed at which your that input repeats automatically 
will not get your piece to the right side of the screen before it gets to the bottom. Mm. So that set of players invented these macros that you would press in order to manipulate the piece into a certain spot. Oh, like an exact like location on the grid kind of? They would press a certain series of like rotation and movements that would get the piece to where they were trying to go in time for the piece to drop into place. Hmm, uh, right. And so this is an example of like how quick and precise you can get using binary inputs like on a keyboard when a mouse is probably be way easier. Well, I don't I would yeah. be curious this is like a way bigger topic for some other time. Uh but I would be interested in a keyboard only audio editor because I found like Vim for example for people that don't know Vim is a is a text editor um like Word or something but you only use your keyboard you don't ever use the mouse. Yeah. And it's really that you can you can do these kind of like combination function keys where you say like okay like delete the next five words and put my cursor into writing mode. Like your 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 cursor is defaultly in moving around mode, and there's all these commands for just moving around that are all different letters. And then you can like move into writing mode. Um, and if you like master Vim, it's incredibly fast and efficient. And it's the kind of thing you would think would be really annoying to do without a mouse, like write something. Uh, but it's actually so much uh, better without it. So I'm curious, I'm just like picturing some audio editor where you have like, like there's like a screen center that has the like playhead and then you have these uh, uh, different levels of resolution for moving left and right and like cutting and yeah. pasting and putting things in different buffers and like holding them over to the side. And like a bunch of useful like snapping, snap to nearest like zero crossing or whatever, that sort of thing. Uh, someone's probably made it and it's probably horrible is the real answer to all of this. <laughs> so that just makes me think of trackers. And you know, I'm, I'm sure there are trackers that are mouse-based, but I used um, – I grew up using Scream Tracker, which is all keyboard input. I got very comfortable with it, very comfortable and very fast. Uh, and it, that basically is uh, um, an audio editor of a sort. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think like – I don't think you would want to make uh, an audio editor by looking at Audacity and saying, huh, how can we make this work with a keyboard instead? I think you would want to rethink it from the ground up. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. It just requires you to master the keyboard inputs for every different program you want to use then. I think that's it. Like, it, I agree. It's definitely faster once you do, but the mouse is more intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I'll mention, there's this really crazy software called Lily Pond which is music notation software. It's for like writing sheet music and you can use, it's like a keyboard macro, like scripting language thing for like writing sheet music. I don't know that much about it, but it's not even for like writing generative music or anything like that. It's literally for like transcribing and like putting music, but it's like you type, you know, like C5 and it puts in that note and then like everything mm. has its own like macros and, and like language or something that's uh that it's linked to. When you started describing that, I just assumed this is like a latex plugin. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you two know what latex is. I actually have used it. Okay. I made a resume with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the listeners, it is a uh, typesetting program. And uh, in or you, you, produce, you can produce a uh, typeset document, like most commonly, I guess, in a PDF format 
typing in code in a text file and with uh, markup. Uh, and it's incredibly powerful and incredibly flexible. Like people use it for, for, for typesetting math notation, mm-hmm. which is weird because like you're typing in a text file that's a fully linear format, but math notation is basically 2D. Uh, and so like it sounds like a fucking nightmare to me to try to figure out how do I describe something that needs to be 2D in a 1D, 1D protocol. But apparently this is how – this is just how it's done. Yeah. And I was assuming that like, yeah, if you can do math notation, why not music notation too? Just, just, just fucking draw the staff with all the little st- note, stemmed notes on there too. It's it's probably doable. Just a note for everyone Google image searching, uh, just include the word software after LaTeX. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I made that mistake. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing it. I think it's I think there's like some LaTeX typesetting puns in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird name. I've I've always wondered about that too. How do you pronounce LaTeX? Because the it's L A T E like capital L, capital T, and then capital X. Yeah, like the A is superscripted and the E is subscripted or something like that. Ah, right. Yeah, that seems so right. So that was um, spawned from the poems. Yeah, the, 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 works, the works of Ogden Nash. <laughs> <laughs> A straight line to, yeah. to Lily Pond. Uh, Daniel, your topic is Indonesia. Indonesia, the fourth most populous nation on Earth. You never hear about it. Yeah, and so uh, continuing my theme of my topics being things I don't actually know very much about. Um, I don't know much about Indonesia, but that's kind of my point. Why do we know nothing about this nation? I mean, I'm sure the more um, anyone who's done research or is a little bit more educated might might have some ideas. But personally, I mean, I, I could say a few things I know about uh, the other most populous nations on earth, certainly the USA. You hear about that one. Then China and uh, India, I could tell you plenty of things about them, but uh, I know very little about this fourth on the list, most populous nation. Hundreds of millions of people are living there. Yeah, that's fascinating. What do you guys think? (laughs) I think we should know more about Indonesia. (laughs) Yeah, I was also shocked at how many people are living in Brazil. Like Brazil is, I think, two down from Indonesia, um, but Mm -hmm. it's in the 200 millions. And I just remember talking to a guy had, who had been living in Brazil. And I was like, ah, yeah, but Brazil's so much smaller than America. And he's like, no, not really. And I'm like, what? Brazil has 200 million people in it? <laughs> like, I had, yeah. no, I mean, literally, I think if you had asked me, I would have said that Indonesia or Brazil, like, I probably would have been like, I don't know, you know, 50 million, something like that. But it's 273. Yeah, I'll tell you why I know about Brazil. It's because of all the articles talking about how they're stuck on the Mega Drive. <laughs> all roads lead back to the Mega Drive in, in, <laughs> on topic one. What I do know about Indonesia is gamelan music is one of the sickest and most amazing traditional musics from anywhere. It's just like these big ensembles with, I'm, I think most people have heard the word gamelan looking it up is pretty cool there's like these big ensembles with these kind of metal bar instruments and also uh drums uh but the metal bar instruments are oftentimes really big and you'll have like two people sitting across them sometimes and playing they're they're like you strike them with these little hammers and sometimes Mm -hmm. two people are sitting across from each other 
and they're like playing interlocked. So like one person strikes a note and then strikes another note and they're like both playing these patterns and they'll like hit the same note sometimes. And they have, it's like this really mesmerizing, just masterful thing. And there is definitely like a Western fascination with, with Gamelan. There's lots mm. of universities in the States and I think also in the UK and in Australia and New Zealand uh, that have like very well put together professional gamelan ensembles uh because oh, it's wow. such a cool musical tradition i'm starting to learn something about this nation it's gonna say for what it's worth we have the bias of i mean i'm canadian I believe you guys are both american so i'm sure if we were maybe in australia obviously in indonesia but anywhere near, <laughs> nearer to it we'd probably uh, know a lot more about it yeah, i would say it's definitely a safe bet that if i if I was Indonesian, that I would know more about Indonesia. It's a pretty safe bet, yeah. I may have to say that that's also true about most countries, maybe all of them. Yeah. Can you think of any country that it wouldn't be true? It might be pompous of me to say that there's a country on earth that I know more about than being a native. No, but is there a country that if you were a native of that country, you'd know less about it than other? Uh, I don't it's know. A weird idea i will say having lived in greece i i think i have witnessed occasionally like there is sometimes a funny thing of people that have a, a massive fascination with like greek history and like whoa like right. like like ancient history but also like modern like, like whatever like people that get obsessed with greece and then like lots of greeks just like don't really care because it's right. kind of yeah. like from the greek perspective it's kind of like I think some people are annoyed that it's just like the thing. It's like, oh, Greece, let's talk about 2,000 years ago again. Yeah. And they're a bit <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, that's what the uh, first thing that comes to mind for a non-Greek person. Yeah, and, they're, and it's a bit like, oh, yeah, Socrates? Okay, cool. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> I guess we've been like talking about that for the last 2,000 years, and no one cares about <laughs> anything else. So I have seen, yeah, people that are like really excited about the history of Greece and Greeks that are like, oh, I don't really care. Talk about how they love Hades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they hate Hades. Darn Hades. I thought Hades was cool. <laughs> I've, I've been looking at the Wikipedia page for Indonesia, and I learned something, which is that Indonesia, like on the map, is that's what I thought New Zealand was. You thought New Zealand was all those islands? It, or some of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Indonesia is made up of like, the islands between uh, East Asia and Australia, like Polynesian yeah. islands, and I had no idea. I, I when I, I thought I actually knew where Indonesia was, I thought it was in East Asia, but it is not. It's much more like a like a Pacific Islander kind of nation. Yeah, and specifically when I was picturing, like, oh yeah, I know where New Zealand is. That's where I thought <laughs> it was. I thought it was those islands, <laughs> the big one on the east. When I I just had the thought i was like okay where is new zealand again and i was gonna guess it was to the west of australia yeah no one really knows where new zealand is i had no idea yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say that i'm yeah i'm also so geographically challenged in this area of the world in terms of like oh it's like oh yeah japan is that thing up in the north i guess because it's by china okay cool uh there's yeah. also a bunch of other th stuff 
I know what Japan was shaped like because they recreated it in Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> uh, yeah, Japan, you know, the Mega Drive geography. Uh, we just need to make a yeah. Mega Drive geography quiz for Jim, and then you'll, we can, like, slowly feed new knowledge into your brain. I'll get there. Give me some flashcards in 10 years. Well, I, I, to be fair, I also want the Mega Drive geography quiz to feed information into my brain. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, yes. Someone implemented in Sporkle. Is that the quiz, the flashcard thing? Yeah, yeah. the world. Yeah, it's the quiz. It's the quiz website. Yeah, I made the mistake of doing geography, world geography quiz, uh, alongside Europeans, uh, which just really makes you feel as though all the stereotypes about the U.S. <laughs> are true. I guess it's because generally from the states, you're like learning all of the names of all of the states, which is very specific. And doing less right. international travel. That's my horrible excuse for the reason why I can't name anything. Especially when you get to certain continents like Southeast Asia or Africa and stuff. And it's just like, oh man, like, can I name specific ones? And then I was just, I remember I was doing it with this guy who is this like 17 year old from Germany who was very much like a <laughs> stoner and very like whatever. And it was like, we were at some, I don't know, was that like a party or something? And this, this guy was there. And he could name every single country in Africa perfectly. Just like, Whoa, I think he was, yeah. I think he was, he was like super out of it too. And he's just like, yeah, bro, that's like Nigeria and that's like Senegal and that's like this and that. And I was like, whoa, I'm super bad at geography. You didn't know where Equatorial Guinea was? Come on. I, for a while I did a... It's on the equator. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a pretty good giveaway. I was trying to do a world geography quiz for a while and I was getting pretty good but i i never could remember it. i don't know anyone has anything else to say about indonesia and its lack of um presence in western news or i definitely would have expected that the german kid would like know the countries in europe and then be just as ignorant about everything about the rest of the world yeah that would have made me feel fine <laughs> yeah everybody i figured everybody just knows about where around where they're from but apparently, no. Apparently, everybody but us knows everything. <laughs> yes. Are we ready for another topic? Yes. Yeah. Jonah, your topic is watching stuff, going into it without hearing anything about it. How do people actually do that? Also, me walking into a movie theater. A couple of weeks ago, I was with my friend, and we went to go to this small movie theater to see what was playing. And the last showing of the night had started 20 minutes earlier uh so we're like darn but also there was nobody in the theater attending anything like there was no staff there so i was just like should we just go in started 20 minutes ago but there's probably some previews whatever probably only started like 10 minutes ago we can just walk in so we did and it was a movie called the beta test which is a crazy movie that's i really enjoyed it it's very good by this guy Jim Cummings, who's like he does like all in one movies where he's like the director and the act, the main actor, and it's like super low budget but extremely high fidelity. Anyway, great movie, but it made me think, especially about this thing of like, oh yeah, you should go into it knowing nothing. Like, oh, and that's like a th common thing for people to say about about media. Um, and I knew that that Daniel's going to be on the show, and I'm sure he, you, I should say, <laughs> talking about you in the third person. Um, <laughs> you talked about me in any person <laughs> i'm sure that you have specific thoughts about this thing because you are a 
habitual creator of content that people say, oh, but like, I'm going to review it and just say it's good, but you can't know anything about it yeah. before going in. And I, to me, I'm trying to, like, it, it might have been the first time that I truly knew literally nothing. Like, I just knew the name of it. Maybe I had heard that it was good, but I hadn't even known anything about it. Like, is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Like, I don't know how much I do have to say on the matter. I definitely, yeah, I, I like surprising people and having twists. And I don't think you necessarily need to know nothing about it going in, but it certainly, I think, damages the experience if you specifically spoiled it. I, I mean, I have to say that Inscription specifically, the genius of Inscription is that you can make a trailer out of it. Like, it has a yeah. bunch of surprises in it, but also there's a game at the very beginning that everybody loves. Yeah, yeah. So, like, good good job. <laughs> yeah. The trailer actually does spoil a little bit of the later stuff, but I think if you see it quickly enough and without context, it uh, doesn't give too much away. I'm sure you've experienced this on a bigger a bigger scale, but I was talking to someone the other day who was like, oh yeah, I really like your sound design. Like, it's super good. I haven't gotten past the angler. And they were like, is there, like, <laughs> is there another boss after that? And I was like, well... <laughs> Uh, there are some other sounds I have designed in the game past that. And I, <laughs> yeah. I think I said there might be 12 more bosses. And then he was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. a spoiler. Sorry. I don't know. If that's... I think also be worth mentioning, obviously, that the frog fractions in the room. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that thing. <laughs> right. How do you, Have you had, had that experience too, Jim? Like, people reviewing your game and saying have you even had like reviews that are cheeky and are just like play this game about math oh yeah all the i mean well not not formal reviews like frog fractions the frog fractions series is extremely unreviewed in terms of like people you know writing an article about it for ign and giving it a score out of 10 it's too weird for that or like I, I'm not sure exactly why, but it, it it's just like the first game was a free flash game. So reviewing it kind of made no sense. The second game was, I think a lot of it is that it came out at the very end of the year and people felt weird about reviewing a game from last year, I think maybe. Mm. And then the third game is DLC that's pretends to be a hat and like, who's going to review a hat? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I feel like, yeah, Frog Fractions, like, that's the beauty of it too though like especially the first one is really occupying in that space and that ethos of like this is a weird artifact on the internet that like someone passes to you and it's like you just get a link it's like oh dude this is crazy like just play it uh and i think that's really nice yeah 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 i agree and i think that it's so obviously that on its face that people just get that that's how they should describe it to their friends. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they would maybe give away too much information, but they would still be like couching it in the idea that they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Very rarely would I see somebody like saying, like trying to convince people but to play the game by describing what happens in it. Right. Which would be kind of like dissecting the frog. Ha 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 ha. So to speak. So to speak. <laughs> The experience I had with this, I mean, Frog Fractions definitely was that, but we just talked about that. One experience I had with this 
not knowing anything going in and then having your mind blown was the movie Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry if this offends people, but I hate Marvel movies and superhero movies. <laughs> and my friends all wanted to go see it. And I was like, you know what? I, I refuse to watch this. I will watch another movie at the same time and then we'll both we'll reconvene <laughs> after. And so I picked it. I was like, oh, Cabin in the Woods. Okay, a horror movie. All right, let's go. And then while they watched Spider-Man 5 or something, I was watching that. And then that has some crazy twists and an insane ending. And I had really, I really had just picked it without even ever seeing the trailer, just at, at a moment's notice. And that left a mark. That was Yeah, that's a, that's a real good going blind movie. Yeah. And I was lucky to not have it at all spoiled. Yeah, I still have to see that. I th- I think I've had like the 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 most minor whiffs of a spoil. Like I don't know anything about anything that happens, but I have this like vibe of like hearing something about some. Yeah, I won't say anything, but yeah, but maybe I should still watch. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So you had asked in the topic, how do people actually do that? The answer I think is to just divest yourself of places that you get spoiled. Like I don't watch TV anymore, so I don't see TV ads. That's a huge source of spoilers is like seeing ads for movies on TV. The other place that I might get spoiled for this sort of thing is on Twitter, but I don't happen to follow a lot of people who talk about movies on Twitter. I'm much more likely to get spoiled about a game. Mm-hmm. And so like I kind of am there without even really trying. Like do they even have movies in theaters now? Like I was going to say if I wanted to go see a movie in a theater, first of all I wouldn't because Omicron. Second, like, if I decided I wanted to go see a movie, I would have to look up, like, what movies are playing now, and then I would probably look at trailers to figure out which one to to watch. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I meant in a way, like, how do people do that as in, I don't know, I really like that idea of being spontaneous and just going to the theater and picking something out. I grew up in a small town with a small movie theater, and I felt a bit betrayed at times because... Like Daniel, I share a very middling opinion on Marvel movies, <laughs> and oftentimes yeah. it's like a Marvel movie, a live-action Disney remake. Middling Marvel movie buddies. And Everybody on the podcast agrees. <laughs> <laughs> and Smurfs 5 or whatever. So I, I felt like I couldn't just like go and do that. I guess you know what I, I did see recently, completely blind, was the new... Wes Anderson movie. I guess that's a great way to do things. Like, oh yeah, if you know that there's a director that you like, like I will probably want to see all movies that come out from like Wes Anderson or Tarantino, mm-hmm. even if I don't like them, just because I'm curious as to like how the how like in the cultural ethos, like oh like what did what did they do next? Like was it horrible? If it's horrible, I kind of want to see it. And like well like how did that happen? Or or what's the timeline of like what does this person's work look like on an arc? So the question you're asking is more about how do you choose what you're going to see without knowing about it? Yeah, I guess so. How do you get to that Zen state of mind to just consume something? And like, I guess it just involves risk, like the risk of watching yeah, a movie yeah. that sucks. Yep. If you just go into random movies that are in theaters, though, I think more often you'd probably end up being disappointed. Yeah, likely. Uh, that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Jonah, if this is something that you want, where can people find that, find you on the internet? Well, I've wasted my website plug. I guess I'll plug my Twitter now, uh, which is at Jonah Senzel, J-O-N-A-H-S-E-N-Z-E-L. Uh, you can also write me on my contact form on my old website, which apparently 
is the premier place to send possible answers to the inscription ARG. So you can also find me there. Apparently, that's the only thing I get on that contact form. Oh yeah, do you want to do you want to drop a drop a new arg clue here? Uh, no, I will. The, the funny thing is, I know nothing about the arg solutions, and and it's definitely not a solution to uh, send me something on that form. But if you would like to send me a no context one line uh, clue, then you will be the seventh person to do that this month uh, but i do find them very funny very good uh and daniel if this is something that you want where can people find you on the internet uh yeah i guess the twitter is uh the best one uh d mullins games on twitter uh, if i dropped some kind of clue it really would be sadistic because people would take it seriously and spend waste hours of their life trying to crack it so i'll, I'll never do that how many syllables was that sentence quick Oh, no. <laughs> How many people live in Indonesia? <laughs> thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me, too. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!